Hi, I'm Aubrey Charette. Thanks so much for joining us today on the podcast for Harrisonburg Nazarene Church. Please subscribe for updates and new episodes to this podcast. Also, you can now search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. Join us each Sunday at 9 and 10.30 a.m. on Facebook Live. Be sure to like or follow our page while you're there. Man, I want you to think this morning as we jump into the Word of God, I want you to think about the most awkward season of your life. That's a fun thing to start with, right? For me, it is no doubt it was middle school. Now, maybe that's the answer for everyone. I love middle schoolers, by the way. I've got one in my home soon, too, and um, love, love, love uh, middle schoolers, so this is not a knock on them, but I'm just going to tell you about me as middle school Adrian. I know. Some of you that know me are like, man, you're pretty awkward now, man. But no, no, no. Trust me. Middle school Adrian. Uh, Super, super awkward. Uh, I grew up, I was a 90s kid, you know. And so I, as an awkward middle schooler, of course, no identity, was kind of searching for who I am. And uh, of course, I tried to fit in by, you know, like flannel unbuttoned shirts. Like if you're 90s, you know what I'm talking about, right? The chain wallets, like I didn't do that. Maybe because I had no money and didn't even have a wallet, but people did that, you know, and I, the certain brands that I tried to wear to kind of fit in and be cool. I even did my hair a certain way. I brought a picture with me of middle school, Adrian. Now, first of all, strikingly handsome. I know, you don't even have to comment. I get it. But look at the middle part thing, you know. I was doing my thing there. And uh, I, yeah, it's, I don't know. I don't know if it's better or worse here, but, but I, I'm telling you, uh, so awkward. And there were certainly things I'm so grateful that I grew out of uh, as I got older. But truth be told, there's one thing that I never grew out of, uh, even as I grew out of this awkward stage. And I never grew out of desperately seeking the approval of others. See, the truth is I, I wanted to be liked, and everyone wants that, right? But, but you see, I wanted to be liked by everyone. And the truth is, in the truth, uh, I grew out of a lot, but I never grew out of that. And, it, and as I got a little bit older and through my middle school and then high school years, really looking back, I believe it was an idol in my life. You see, even as a, a teenager, I loved Jesus, but the real God in my life was the approval of others. The thought of rejection for me was unbearable. We're in the midst of a series called Free From Yesterday. If you joined us last week for Easter, thank you, man. Thanks for coming back and joining in. And if this is your first time tuning in, thanks for joining in. And we're leaning into this statement. It's hard. It's a hard statement, but it's a truth I believe that finds root in the word of God. And the truth for us is this, is that your past has no more power over you than what you give it. And man, it hurts every time I say that. It hurts every time I say it because there's this thing inside of me that wants to push back against that. There's this thing inside of me who has experienced some brokenness in my past. And has experienced some rejection from my past. And, and, and I want to fight against that. But, but the truth is, is if we read the word of God and we claim this to be truth for our life, then this statement is true for us. Because of Christ, because of Jesus, because of the message of Easter that we just celebrated, your past has no more power over you than what you give it. And last week, we began with this topic of shame in our lives and the deep roots 
uh, hidden deep within our hearts. And today, this week, the next step in our series, we begin by focusing on rejection. There's a passage in Philippians 3 that's really foundational for us. We talked about it last week. We'll touch on it just a little bit throughout this series. But it's a guy named Paul who's an apostle of Jesus Christ. He never met Christ personally, but was transformed by him. And uh, he's writing words to a church in Philippi. And these words are powerful, and these words really do set a foundation for us for this series, Free From Yesterday. So if you have your copy of Scripture, just turn there again with me today. Philippians 3, starting with verse 10. And some of you have got your YouVersion Bible app. You can uh, go there and open. We have an event set up. We would love for you to tune in there. But this is the Word of God, and this is God's truth for us as the Apostle Paul begins in verse 10 of Philippians chapter 3. Uh, he says these words. He says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. We'll continue with that passage in a minute, but I just want to stop again a little bit like we did last weekend to remind ourselves that this is the Easter message. I know, I know, Easter was last week, but, but, but this is good news for us. And Paul is kind of recognizing what it means to know Christ, that we identify with his death and we identify with his resurrection. Again, this is critical in what it means to know Christ, that we identify with his death. Paul would say, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me, and he's identifying with the death and resurrection of Christ, you see, we believe in experiencing resurrection life. I want to tell you a little bit this morning about Wanda. Her pictures here on the screen behind me, you see Wanda has been transformed. And this is a goofy picture. She'll get me back later for it. But just a little while ago, Wanda didn't know Jesus at all. In fact, her life was filled with addiction and brokenness and hopelessness, but through Christ and through identifying with his death and resurrection, she is experiencing transformation. We believe in that as a church. Our mission statement is to be transformed by God to bring hope to others through Christ. And Wanda is experiencing that, that Christ began to change her heart. And she came to put her faith and trust in Christ, and he is transforming her. She's not the same person anymore. And Wanda is super involved here in our welcome team and hospitality and outreach. And she's so faithful in volunteering at Hope Distributed. Just a, a couple weeks ago, my kids and I were there helping them prepare to distribute food. And Wanda's there. She's carting pallets around. And, I mean, she, she's in it. <laughs> And this is her just this past week. She's picking up a, a package of masks to take over to Hope Distributed for those that are still on the front lines, even in this pandemic, of making sure that people are fed, hungry people are cared for. And I'm just telling you that Wanda is a picture of transformation. She's a picture of Philippians chapter 3 in real life, that she's been crucified with Christ. She no longer lives, but Christ lives in her. She has been transformed I want you to see a face of Philippians chapter 3. But Paul goes on to say this. He doesn't just stop there. He continues on in verse 12. He says this, these words. Not that I have already obtained this. So the death, the resurrection of Christ, the transformation. I, I'm not there yet. I, I haven't arrived at the final goal yet is what he's saying. 
So not that I have already attained this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken a hold of it, but one thing I do. I always stop there and I think, man, one thing. One thing Paul focuses on here. And what is it? Forgetting what is behind. Straining towards what is ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Throughout this this series, focusing on key areas from our past and not just, listen, being free from yesterday is not just about the things that we've done. It's about the things that have been done to us. Sometimes that's just as painful. Sometimes we can let go of the things that we've done, but man, thinking of the things that have been done to us, what it means to be free from yesterday. I don't know about you today, but can you, can you forget, like Paul says, the rejection in your life? Not ignoring it, not stuffing it, not la, 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 I'm fine, I'm good, I'm good. No, 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 not that. But allowing God to remove the weight. That's what we talked about from Philippians 3 last week. Removing the weight, the burden of whatever that is in your past. The burden of that rejection. You see, Paul made a decision to forget. The one thing I do, forgetting what is behind. That's what Paul decided to do. You may say, well, what did Paul have to forget? I mean, this is like, you know, Bible character, right? We just, we kind of read him as perfect, and and this is easy. But think for a minute, if you think that, then you don't know about the life of Paul. Because if you read all throughout the book of Acts, we see that Paul was Saul. And here's what we know about Saul. If you look through your, your scripture, the first time we meet him, the first time we meet him is the first martyr for Jesus. His name was Stephen. And in the early church, he's the first recorded account in Acts chapter 7 of anyone who would give their life for the sake of the gospel. After Jesus, of course, right, who gave his life. But this is the first documented case of somebody giving their life for the sake of the gospel. And you know how we meet Saul there in Acts chapter 7? He's there, off to the side, holding the coats, giving approval as Stephen is stoned to death for claiming the name of Jesus. Next... This guy Saul, here's what we read about in in Acts chapter 8. If you turn the page, uh, this is the quote for Saul, right? This is what you need to know. It says, Saul began to destroy the church. This is not just a bully. This is not just making life difficult. He began to destroy the church. That was his life's mission, to destroy the cause of Christ. If you turn the page again in the book of Acts, it says that Paul was breathing murderous threats. There's a visual there. Breathing murderous threats. This is what this guy Saul was about. Man, this was not a good dude. This is not a holy dude, right? That's what it says, breathing out murderous threats. And then God transforms his life. God, I want you to get this visual. He takes public enemy number one, the most wanted by the church, the one that the church would say, agree, that's the enemy. God chooses him to be his ambassador and to share the good news. But now you see Saul becomes Paul and Paul has a big problem now. And his problem is this, the Jews the Jews, his buddies that he was just partnering with to destroy the church, they, they want to kill him because he's a traitor. 
So the Jews want to kill him, right? But the believers, the disciples, they're afraid of him. They don't trust him. And so Paul is being rejected by everyone. In fact, the words we just read, Philippians chapter 3, he's writing these chained in a prison cell. So Saul and Paul knew a lot about rejection. And yet he says, the one thing I do is I forget what is behind. Here's the truth. Here's the truth when it comes to rejection, right? Here's the truth. We all have experienced rejection, and rejection hurts, doesn't it? Here's how I can prove it to you. Here's how I know it to be true. I can't tell you the name of my third grade teacher, at least without doing a lot of digging through some old scary yearbooks. I can't tell you the name of my third grade teacher, but I can tell you. I can tell you the name I was called on the playground that day, the the day that I tried to fit in and I was rejected by the kids in my class. Uh, Those words have never been forgotten, and maybe I'm the only one, but I bet if you think back on your past, you have a similar story, right? Those words that were spoken over you at a young age even, you faced rejection from someone you loved, and now every day you battle without even realizing it. Living in anger and resentment. Uh, What about this? Fast forwarding later in life. He said, she said, they would always love you, but then they didn't. You never got over that. How could you? You you desperately wanted to know, right? You wanted to know uh, that you were good enough, that you were smart enough, that you were pretty enough, successful enough, a good enough athlete, a good enough parent, and rejection has set you on a course constantly looking over your shoulder, constantly comparing yourself. How do you measure up constantly gathering the opinions of others? And man, isn't social media good for that? We we put out an image of ourselves that we like others to like, and we hope we get enough likes. We hope we get enough people that agree with us or think that we look good. And maybe I'm the only one, if we're not careful, the approval of others becomes our idol. Why? Because we're terrified of rejection. We've all experienced it. And man, it hurts, doesn't it? There are scars. There are scars that we carry for the rest of our lives because of the rejection of others. In fact, I was doing some reading this week. Did you know as far as your brain is concerned, that physical pain and experiences of emotional rejection are just as harmful? That to your brain, a physical injury and an injury caused by emotional rejection, that to your brain, it is exactly the same. Rejection hurts, and especially if, like me, acceptance of people becomes too important, too much of a focus. But here's what we can't do. We can't erase rejection from our past. We can't pretend that it didn't happen. And honestly, no matter how hard we try, we can't prevent future rejection. In fact, Jesus promises us. He promises us that we will experience rejection. So where's the good news in this, Adrian? Well, here's here's the promise. Here's the promise for us, the good news, is that today... Today, if if you are in Christ, if you are a follower of Christ, then here's a truth that you can hold on to. God will not reject you. 
Now, now listen, listen. I know, I know there's so many different kinds of people that are listening today, and some of you, you've gone to church, and you know the word, and you know the truth, and it's not new to you. And so I'm saying words that you've heard before, and you're sitting there in your easy chair or in your comfy pants or whatever, and you're listening. Like, yeah, yeah. No, 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 listen, listen. No matter how much rejection you've experienced in your past, no how many times people have rejected you, you listen, if you are in Christ today, God will not reject you. Think about that. Think about that in a world where we're so desperate for the approval of others. Maybe because of our past rejection, we're so afraid to experience rejection. Again, think about the truth that for those of us who have faith in Christ, God will not reject you. How do I I know that to be true? Uh, Deuteronomy 31 is a great place to start. And Deuteronomy 31 is important because it's the life of a guy named Moses. And if you don't know about Moses, he was the son of slaves in Egypt. He was an Israelite, but he was kind of miraculously saved and really raised under royalty, under Pharaoh's palace, really. And he became royalty even though he was a slave. He was given the opportunity of a lifetime, but Moses, like many of the characters we read about in this word, he wasn't perfect. And he made a big mistake. He committed murder. And so because of that, I'm summarizing chapters and chapters of scripture, but because of that, he flees really out of fear. And and he becomes a shepherd in the desert, in the wilderness. And at the age of 80 years old, God chooses him, a runaway. Him, yeah, murderer. He wants him to be the one to lead God's people from captivity. And so at 80 years old, the burning bush, God uses it to call Moses, to call Moses uh, to lead God's people from captivity, from slavery into the promised land. That may not sound like anything to us, but man, for a people that are living in slavery, to have a land that is promised to you, a, a good land that belongs to you as your inheritance, man, that was pretty exciting stuff. But now God's calling Moses. And man, if you don't know the story, there's more twists and turns than you can imagine. There's miracle after miracle, there's plagues, there's staff turning into snakes, there's parting of oceans, there's food falling from the sky and water coming from the rock. But ultimately, the disobedience, the lack of faith of God's people means that an entire generation of people that have been rescued from slavery, that have seen miracle after miracle of God's hand, an entire generation is told because of their disobedience they will not experience the promised land. And now in Deuteronomy 31 we have Moses. He's 120 years old now. He knows the end of his life is coming. And really for one of the last times, he's going to address the nation of Israel. Looking back on the entire journey of all that God's done, of the good, of the bad, of the success, of the failure, wonder what it is that Moses will say to not just the nation of Israel, but to Joshua, who will be the one to lead God's people. It's here in Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6. It's simple words, but in context, they're profound. These are the words that Moses would speak over the people of Israel as he comes to the end of his life. He says this, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. And then he says this. He will 
never leave you nor forsake you. Now, reading those words on a page are, are cute. Maybe they look good on a bookmark or on our fridge, but consider what Moses had experienced. Consider that he had experienced, man, the blessings, the mountaintops, but also the valleys. Experiencing the disappointment of knowing that he would not get to see the fulfillment of that which he was called to do. And in many ways, he may have felt rejected by God because of his disobedience, because of the disobedience of his people, that they had to wander in the wilderness. But when it's all said and done, even Moses at the end of his life, you know what he wants the nation of Israel to know? You know what he'll tell Joshua the next verse, if you keep reading? He'll say these exact words again. He'll say, God will not reject you. Oh, there'll be consequences. There's consequences for sin. There's consequences for disobedience. We live in a broken world that's messed up sometimes. I'm not saying it's going to be perfect, but listen, in the end, he's saying, Moses is saying, man, don't be afraid. Because God will not reject you. That's truth. You know, that wasn't just truth thousands of years ago when these words were written. That wasn't just truth to the nation of Israel, who God would fulfill his promise to future generations. It wasn't just true then, it's true now. And it's true now that if we are in Christ, in relationship with Christ, as we just talked about last week, that we put our faith in Jesus Christ and what he's done for us, then God will not reject you, no matter how much rejection you have experienced. You may say, well, how can that be, man? I'm a mess. Adrian, if you knew my life today, and you knew the brokenness I'd experienced, and you knew the pain that I have caused, and you know the wake of destruction in my past, and you know the number of times that I've been rejected, the number of times people have walked out on me, the number of times that I just, I feel like God's just like everyone else, he's going to reject me too. Why is it that I can have such confidence today that God will not reject me? Well, the reason that we know is because of Jesus. You see, even in Deuteronomy 31, we can read and we see a foreshadowing of what is to come. And in Matthew's account of the night Jesus was betrayed and crucified, in Matthew's account, in Matthew 27, he records some really specific words that Jesus would say. Because you see, Jesus, they took nails and nailed his hands and feet to the cross, and, and he hung there, and it wasn't an instant death. No, he hung there, and he suffered, and he suffered, and he suffered. In Matthew's account, it actually says that a darkness came over the land for three hours in the middle of the day as Jesus hung there on the cross. And then in Matthew 27, it says these words, that Jesus cried out in a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now contrast what we just read in Deuteronomy 31, that God will not forsake you. Contrast that with now Jesus on the cross saying, my God, why have you forsaken me? You see, what's happening here is really one of the greatest mysteries in the gospel. You see, because of sin, we stood, you and I, we stood in opposition to God. We were his enemies. We deserved rejection because of sin. 
because of the brokenness of our past, because of the ways that we stood in direct opposition to God and what he desires. You and I, we deserved rejection, but get this, this is so powerful. God loved you enough to send Jesus. And the truth is, the truth is, it says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, that God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You see those hours of darkness. God turned his back on his son. God loved you enough to forsake his son. To reject his own son. That Jesus literally became sin in our place. The prophet Isaiah would prophesy it this way. The punishment for our peace was on him. You see, the father rejected his own son so that you and I would not have to be. I want you to get that. I want you to get that. When God says he will not reject you, the reason is, the reason that you can take that to the bank is because he sent his son to die so that you would never have to be rejected. So that there would never be anything from your past too broken. There would never be any baggage you're dragging along with you that is too great that he couldn't overcome. Because he loves you enough that he would rather reject his own son in your place. So that you would know you don't have to be rejected. That is what I call a game changer in my life. This is what I want you to know to be true as we prepare to close this morning. This is powerful, and this is, this is resonating deep in my spirit as somebody who wrestles with rejection, who wrestles so much desiring the approval of others and the approval of man. But this is what I want you to know today is that God's approval overwhelms man's rejection. That today, some of you, some of you listening in, some of you watching today, you're overwhelmed by man's rejection. You're overwhelmed by the rejection of other people, and I'm not making light of that today. That if I could step right through this screen and come and and give you a loving embrace in the name of Jesus, I would do that because I want you to know today that our Father God sees you, and He knows you, and He loves you. And today, I, I I can't answer all the questions you have. I can't tell you why. I can't explain why they walked out on you. I can't explain why they said they would love you and then they didn't. I can't explain to you why you have to battle some of you daily with the feelings of rejection, the feelings that I'm not good enough and I don't have all the answers today. But what I want you to know, and you know what I would have wanted to tell me, awkward middle school me, desperately chasing after the approval of others me, you know what I would have wanted to say if I could go back then, I would say, Adrian. There's an approval that's far greater than the approval of man. That there's something, there's something far greater than even the rejection of the people around you. And it's God's approval because the truth is, Adrian, God's approval will overwhelm man's rejection. No matter how many times you get rejected, Adrian, and you will get rejected, man, God's approval his approval in Christ, right? Because of what Christ did for us on the cross, his approval overwhelms, overwhelms man's rejection. 
So today, how about you? What is it that you're carrying today? What is the burden today on your heart? It feels overwhelming. What is the pain from your past that's just being dragged along with you? And it's there. You see it the moment you wake up, it's there. You go to bed at night thinking about whatever it is, it haunts you, the rejection from your past. Today, I can't pretend that that didn't happen. I can't pretend that that didn't hurt, that it's not painful. But today, I can promise you, because of what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross, God will not reject you. I can promise you today, there is something far greater in your life than chasing after the approval of other people. And it's the approval of God. And maybe some of us today are chasing after the idol of man's approval. And today we need to humble ourselves enough to say, God, it's your approval today that I seek. And today, would you open up your heart to the Lord? And that's hurt and pain and brokenness and frustration. Would you be open enough to say, God, I give you permission to come in and heal. I give you permission that God, I don't know what the future holds, but I know that you won't reject me and I know that you are in my future. So because of that, I walk forward. I walk forward free from yesterday, forgetting the weight, forgetting the burden, forgetting the pain because of what you've done for me on the cross. I've been set free. Jesus conquered even death, right? Easter's not over, man. We're still celebrating. But but Jesus conquered even death so he can conquer the rejection in your past, the rejection even in your present, and maybe the rejection in your future. He's enough. And his approval overwhelmed any rejection. Can I pray for you today? God, I'm praying today in faith. I'm praying today across this valley. I'm praying today uh, for some people I don't even know today. I don't know their story. I don't know their journey. I don't know their hurt. But God, you do. You do and you love them enough to send Jesus. You love them enough that you are willing to reject your son. That he would become sin. So that we might become the righteousness of God. And so God... Thank you that you loved me enough. You loved me enough that today in Christ, because of his blood that was shed for me, God, I have your approval. If I put my faith and my trust in Christ, God, I I have your approval today. And man, that's greater than any rejection I'll experience. That, That because of your approval, God, I can walk through whatever tomorrow faces, whatever valley it is, God, that I have to walk through. I'm coming through, and I'm going to come through on the other side because you are for me. Thank you, Jesus, that you conquered death. Thank you, Jesus, that you overcame the grave. Thank you, Jesus, that today there is nothing too hard from my past that you can't overcome. Today, we place our faith and our trust in you. Thank you, Jesus for the freedom and the victory that is ours in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen.
Thank you again so much for listening today. Email us at info at for any questions about our church. As soon as you're finished listening today, please subscribe to this channel for updates and new episodes.